I'm Steph Garcia Psychos. And I'm Trevor Psychos. And welcome to our podcast where we have deep conversations with interesting people who are doing everything it takes to go after their dreams. Rock and roll. <laughs> That's <laughs> so our first episode we're joined by the one and only ryan atkins uh have you ever beaten ryan in a wtm not even close <laughs> uh it was a great conversation we uh for for our first guest i feel like he really brought brought the heat for sure yeah we talked about their dinner rod and um his future plans and his coaching and also we go into the little post with what's his name again? The other guy. With me, with me. <laughs> no offense to me. No offense, BJ. I'm sorry, I'll keep up. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a Spartan guy. Don't don't be offended. Uh, yeah, I thought you know you guys got really nerdy about all of the Iditarod stuff. Um, I was trying to kind of dig a little more into how Ryan even got into to cycling and and that kind of sport. I guess if you're Canadian, what else are you going to do? Right? Yeah, it's a lot of good input on gear and strategy and also dealing with the cold and stuff like that in the podcast. And <laughs> stuff I struggle with. Stuff we want to know about. Yeah. Stuff that I wanted to know about, I dug in, I, I asked. There was no big announcement between him and Lindsay of uh, having a baby. I remember everyone got all excited last year when Lindsay kind of hinted at that uh, when she said she wasn't going to be racing much, although she is. So we're excited for for her, for them. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting, his take on his post after the St. Louis Bispo Spartan, the first in this new North American elite series. Um, you know, reading it, I don't know Ryan as well as you do, but I read that and I wasn't sure what he was trying to say. I know he was trying to, you know, spark conversation about how Spartan can improve and be more fan friendly and more challenging for the elites. But um, a lot of people took that in a way to say he's, he didn't win. He's bitter. What's going on? So he explains it very well. So listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so listen, that's it. Uh, this was a great, great start. Excited to bring more interesting people in. The title of the podcast is uh, All It Takes Is All You Got because um, really that's like our life philosophy is, you know, when you want something, you go after it uh, with, with everything. And if you give it all, usually you get it. Let's bring in our first guest. You guys might have heard of him. Uh, you might have not. He is a uh, big time OCR athlete. Let's see some stats. 2021 <laughs> Spartan world champ after finishing second five times. Fun, fun mm -hmm. fact. Two times Spartan <laughs> ultra 24 hour champion, six time world toughest mutter champion. He has never lost an obstacle course race over eight hours in duration. Wow, that's insane. Uh, mechanical engineer, avid mountain biker, mountaineer, skier, all around adventure athlete and uh, person. Ryan Atkins, <laughs> thank you for joining us. And person. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, congratulations on tying the knot and finding each other. It's awesome. Yeah, that was the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dealing dealing with his dog is actually the hardest part, really. Oh, but uh, yeah. but uh, anyway, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are here to talk about your most recent race, which was not a Spartan race. Mm -hmm. Trevor, take it away. Yeah, it was the Iditarod. 
Yeah. So how'd you uh, find that? How'd you get into it? Um, I don't know. I've always kind of like, I don't know when I heard about the Iditarod. It might've been kind of like when I was researching like just hard races and came across stuff like World Summit Mutter and I saw um, Iditarod. It seems just like such an iconic idea to race the Iditarod trail that the dog sled teams, um, you know, historically have done and raced across. And uh, it just seemed like a really kind of simplistic but like beautiful race so it's always appealed to me but it's always been conflicting of like some kind of spartan race or some you know some silly february march event that i had going on so this year i was kind of like you know what i'm just gonna do it because i don't know life's too short to just like have these things floating over your head and just like always put them off um so yeah i just kind of like um i've done a lot of like fat bike expeditions and I had won one of the qualifier fat bike races. So I contacted the organizer, um, kind of like gave him my adventure credentials and experience and, um, and they let me in. It's like an invitational race. So you actually have to have, uh, you have to qualify for it before they can let you do it because unlike a lot of, um, winter ultras, there's no, um, there's no real safety net. There's no mentor gear list. It's kind of up to, they figure like if you've qualified for it, that you know what you're doing. So it's like up to you to that, go there nice. and I like figure that. it out. No yeah. List. I hate when yeah. I, I like, <laughs> but, but so, um, was it longer than the ride you did? You did a big fat, fat, fat bike ride, uh, like last year, year before with Eric Batty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, I guess, yeah, it was shorter than that, but I mean, I did it in like two and a bit days, whereas that was like a 10, 10 or so day expedition. So um, definitely a different pace. Like I barely slept on this one and stuff and just kind of went through it. Um, so yeah, I guess harder physically because no rests. Okay, let's back it up a second. How did you even get into biking, cycling? I always say the wrong thing. How did you <laughs> how did this even start? When did you first... Yep get your butt on a bike i I started mountain biking when i was like 12 or 13 years old actually um i went to like a mountain bike camp and i loved it and i just kind of fell in love with it i think i really liked like the technical aspect and it's funny because i actually used to kind of make fun of like all the like the people who did like cross-country races and like endurance sports i was like that is so lame i just want to ride my bike off like little cliffs and like take it down gnarly trails that's all i want to do and I was like, who are these guys in the spandex, like, working really hard in the uphills? I was like, that's... You have to wear spandex, that's, though. <laughs> that's stupid. And now that's me. That's, like, like, my whole life is just, like, how fast can you go uphills? So it's kind of, like, ironic, I guess, um, that that's had that quantum shift. But, um, yeah, from there, I, um, I raced mountain bikes, uh, like, when I was in university and stuff. And after a bit, before transitioning to running in OCR. Okay, but you, you went pro, right? Not biking? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sorry, I'm still backing up a little bit. So, but for this mountain bike camp that you said you went to, was this your idea or were your parents like, Ryan, get out of here, go to this thing? And you were kicking and screaming. No, I mean, it was kind of like the, they were like, here's this thing that you can do in the summer. And um, I think I had a friend who had signed up for it. It seemed, it seemed cool. I don't know. I didn't really like know a whole lot about it other than like and I like to ride my mountain bike at the time but I guess just like going out with your friends at like a local you know a little trail system is a little different than like going to like an actual ski resort and like riding up and down 
like gnarly trails. Was this before or after unicycling? This is before I started unicycling. So yeah, that was kind of like got into mountain biking, and then I was like, well, let's try one wheel for a while. Kind of made that <laughs> transition money. and jump. Yeah. But what kind of athlete were you growing up? What would you say was your first like athletic <clears throat> endeavor? Yeah. So growing up, I I mean, I played hockey like most Canadians, and then I played uh, rugby and football and wrestling and um, all those things. Never a lot of I always kind of like ran, but it was just kind of like random. I just would just like go out and run for half an hour. And I don't really know why or how, but I would never ran on any cross country teams or anything like that. But um, yeah, I Did just you like, wear like the like garbage bag to like run and lose weight for wrestling kind of thing. I did do that once or twice. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like right before yeah. I ran. Yeah, um, it's like so unhealthy. Like looking back at it, did you ever run in basketball shorts like I did when I first worlds? <laughs> so. Uh, maybe, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, back to I did a rod. So, for people here who have no idea what the heck you're talking about, like, can you give us a little bit more background about this race and what intrigued you about it? Yeah, so the I did a rod trail is like a trail um, from Anchorage to Nome. It's about a thousand miles um, along the Alaskan coast, and it was done in like the early 1900s as like a relay on dog sleds uh, in a diphtheria, um, I guess, outbreak in one of these small communities to get the vaccine up to save a bunch of kids' lives. Um, well, there's a Disney was, movie about that, wasn't there? There's a few Disney movies and various things all about it. Um, and so, like, but to this day, there's, like, the trail and, like, the route that they went is still a thing. And every year, they race it uh, with dog sleds. And they actually race it. Um, they do the race I did, which is called the I Did Rod Trail Invitational, um, which you can do on a bike. You can do running or you can do skiing. And I chose to do it on a bike. Um, and then there's a 350-mile version and a 1,000-mile version. So I did the 350, which you have to do first before you're allowed to do the 1,000-mile. Um and there's actually a snowmobile race on the same trail, like a week before we did ours, where they actually go there and back. Um, so yeah, it's like it's very like Alaskan cultural. Um, it's a pretty cool scene up there, um, and it's like a really big deal in Alaska. Um, so was so yeah. um, the trail pretty groomed because of the race prior? Kind of. It's always it's it's very transient. The trail, like it's always changing um it's always kind of like being moved around across different lakes and it's just kind of like the way the iti works is you just have to get from checkpoint to checkpoint it doesn't actually matter how you go um so sometimes it makes more sense to take like different trails or um if there's been like overflow on which is like when the water comes up over the ice um then you don't want to fall into that so like you might go a different route or something like that so there is a bit of a navigational aspect to it as well as like um, just getting through it so it's a lot of different different aspects which i found cool it's like winter survival it's endurance it's fruit finding um and it's got like that historical element so picks a lot of boxes let's start with your gear because i know you're smart <laughs> with that <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah there's no gear list uh no mandatory gear list you just have to carry the spot tracker they give you um, and like they said, a, a COVID a mask 
was mandatory because if you go into checkpoints, they wanted you to have a mask on. We need it anyways because the wind, right? So yeah, exactly. It was actually kind of like nice to have. Um, I brought a zero degree Fahrenheit bag, sleeping bag, which I never ended up using. Um, and then I brought, uh, yeah, I mean, just like typical winter gear. I brought like a closed cell foam rolled up pad and a bivy all together in like a big thing. So I could just like roll it out really quickly if I had to like sleep on the trail. Um, and then just like tons of food, tons of snacks, um, lots of, uh, I had like down pants and a big down jacket. Um, cause whenever I've done like winter expeditions, I found that like having really warm down clothing to change into at camp was like really critical. Um, so like after you finish riding for the day, you would like, basically take everything off strip down naked and put on like your down like basically full down suit uh, and then you're just like way more comfortable than kind of shivering running around trying to do other stuff um so i brought that and then yeah i brought like a muskrat uh, fur hat which i wore for basically most of the race um one's little ear flaps yeah it's the little ear flaps and the little thing you can put down over your eyes yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's nice. as a uh, as like kind of goofy as they are, like there's a reason why I guess they're kind of classic because they really work and they keep you warm. Um, so I wore that. No one really wears helmets um, on in this race because like Safety, you're on. Come on. Yeah, you're on snow though, so like <laughs> you might as well be like cross country skiing. Like there's nothing to really hit if you fall, um, other than like snow or ice. So it's uh, yeah, no helmet and um, big pogies on your handlebars which are like kind of these giant um it's like just these big foam and like fabric insulated covers that go over the ends of your grips and your handlebars and then you put your hands into those um and that just keeps your hands warm hands and feet are like a big issue um for biking so then they make uh fat bike like expedition boots with like clipless pedals so i wore those and those are pretty awesome um were they clip in or just stand on yeah 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 you clip in and uh away you go so yeah lots of really like specific gear and then like yeah we were on fat bikes so i had um like five inch tires um i had like studded tires because there's a lot of like you'll be riding across like sheer ice lakes and things like that for a while um yeah but when you say winter survival gear, it makes me think like you did a revenant and like cut open a <laughs> horse's stomach to sleep in or something. So I'm a little bummed <laughs> that you're talking about this down gear that you had. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was pretty. I mean, there, we didn't see any polar bears. We didn't see any. You know, it was pretty. It was. Uh, it was good. I mean, all the things that like you prepare for, we didn't like really have to you know worry about that much um it was a bit of a warmer year i think it only got down to about minus 20 fahrenheit or so um so like not that cold and um yeah so it was it was good let's talk i i, I want to just ask the last thing about nutrition because you mentioned lots of snacks like what does ryan Atkins, yeah. what works for your stomach in a situation like that well, I'm pretty good with um, my stomach, what I can handle, but I'm also pretty good with like biking because you're not like running. So it, you can actually like eat more. So the biggest thing is just kind of dealing with palate fatigue. Um, I actually ate a lot of like 
chews and gummies and then some of those like peanut butter filled pretzels pb and j sandwiches um yeah like all sorts of different uh, some chocolate but not like a lot and then inside my um my merino wool base layer i sewed like these three kind of pockets inside that like sat right against my stomach and i would just keep uh water and food in those so i like looked like i had this giant gut That's but smart. It, <laughs> it like it kept everything warm and it kept everything from freezing. So I would just, um, you know, every couple hours I would like load that back up with food and then, uh, you would just ride and kind of keep it warm. Otherwise you have to be careful when it's really cold about like cracking your teeth on, um, on certain foods like, uh, chocolate or things like that, that'll get really hard. And then like, you can't really eat it. Um, did, uh, did Lindsay bake you anything? Any, like anything from the upcoming bakery? no no real good bake treats it was a bit it was a bit tough so we were we actually had two drop bags which you had to mail like two weeks two or three weeks in advance um so those were just filled with like kind of like just gummies and like not you couldn't really put anything that was like perishable um because you had to mail them so far in advance so then a lot of the food was just like kind of standard endurance food so like a bunch of maple syrup and things like that it was just like a big variety um, and it worked pretty well for me. I didn't get too much palate fatigue, um, by the end. I mean, by the end, I was definitely like tired of eating the stuff, but I basically rode for like, you know, two and a bit days, um, almost straight and you're eating the whole time. So it worked out well for me. Did you actually gain, did you gain any weight or anything? <laughs> no. When I rode the Oregon coast, I gained weight. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was eating like I was running and just. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Biking's funny like that. You can just take in tons oh. of tons of food. It's great. Uh, so you didn't sleep at all? Uh I think I maybe slept for twenty minutes at one of the one of the checkpoints. Yeah. When your finish and, time was six or fifty something hours? Yeah, two days and eight hours. Two days yeah. and eight hours. Yeah. And what was historic yeah. about this was there was a tie. Yeah, so me and uh, a guy named Tyson, um, he's won it in the past. Uh, we ended up riding the last, like, 30 or so hours together. He just kind of, like, sat on my wheel um, most of the way through, and I was like, I'm going to set, a, like, a solid tempo, but I'm not going to, like, I don't know. It just felt weird to, like, attack someone out there and, like, throw surges in. So I was just like, I'm just going to, like, go, and if he gets dropped, then so be it, and if he wants to attack me and race, then I'm game. But he just kind of like was happy to sit on and have someone to ride with. And then when we're rolling into town, he said like, dude, I've, I've drafted you for the last like day. Like if you, like you can take, you deserve to take the win. And I was like, it's okay. Let's just finish together. So um, it was pretty cool with him. And um, yeah, it was awesome. I think it was cool. Yeah. Well, what what is the like culture of that like then? Just is that normal in in other cycling races you've done? So it's happened at this race before because it is kind of it does set you up for like traveling together just because it's so long and like isolated, I guess. Um, so I I had heard that this is this had happened. I was like here on the bus on the way to the start with a guy who was like, yeah, I won the I won, I co won the running event three years ago. And I was like, oh, that's an option. So I was kind of like locked it away in the back of my mind. Um, and then when the time came, I was like, yeah, why not? It's like those multi-day races, like 
I mean, after from more than like one day, people kind of, <laughs> people kind of just connect and run together. Yeah. Well, you know, look, you guys, yeah. I, I always run with people. My races mind. are 10 minutes or less. So there's yeah. no time to be nice to people. So uh, no I, time to get to know your, your competitors. I'm so cut through. <laughs> I'm cut through. I'm cut through. So uh, anyway, this is all new to awesome. me. Other than that, was there any other race strategy that you went into? What what was going through your mind in like the most brutal moments where it's dark and freezing and you're out of your little pouch food? Like what what was going through your mind? Um, it's like most races, you're just concentrating on like the here and now. It's kind of like what's what's coming up next? Where should I be riding on this trail that's like the firmest? What should I eat next? Um what's going on i mean there are like monotonous moments um i guess out there but for the most part i guess it's yeah nothing that like groundbreaking i guess you get time to yourself to think about you know life and all those wonderful things but uh yeah i don't know that's a good question i don't know do you have any down moments um yeah I think, well, I guess to answer your question, like my strategy was just to like to go out and uh, take it really easy the first day, kind of like stay really with myself, not ever get out of my comfort zone and then kind of see how I felt in terms of sleeping. And I was planning on like not sleeping a lot, but I also hadn't done any, any events, any like 24 hour races or longer in since COVID had started. So I wasn't really like familiar with how my body would react um, as far as like the sleep deprivation went or just like the continuous calorie intake or anything like that. So I just, um, I was just, like play it by ear. And then I was like, if I feel good, then I'll like at some point push to the finish. But you also, it's a big question mark. Cause like out there you might reach a point where you, all of a sudden you have to like push your bike for 30 miles and that could take, you know 20 hours or 15 hours or something like that and so you're always kind of like you always have these reserves so like having the sleeping bag having enough food on you at any moment to go for 20 hours um between like checkpoints or between um anywhere um it's kind of like the name of the game and you don't really know what what you're going to encounter out there until you're until you're on like the very end last part did you meet your goal what was your goal going in? Well, I mean, I wanted to win, so yeah, I guess so. Do you, well, do you have a time a time hack? Like, I always have a time hack on something like that. No time because it's so like the record for this trail or the race is like one day, like fourteen hours. But like apparently that year it, it was just like rock hard snow the whole way, and they just yeah, bruised. Like that. Yeah, so it's very condition dependent. And they've had years where that race has taken the winter four out, four days, and they've had to push for two days. You know, yeah, so it's like miles in the snow. You get windrows and all <laughs> be the worst. Yeah, the week you never know. So. Yeah, yeah. But. Once you're off your bike, pushing it's pretty slow. And for the thousand mile, that's <clears throat> that's even more prevalent because they're kind of once you get past uh, McGrath, which is where uh, my race finished. Um, there's just it's just a little less traveled uh, until the dog sleds. The dog, the dog teams actually started about a week after our race. So they start catching the thousand mile people um, about a week and a half into like their race. So once the dog sleds start going through, then if like there's really deep, heavy snow, um, it starts getting beaten down a little bit better. Um, but like, again, you don't, you don't know, it could, it can blizzard and dump two feet of snow and then you're, 
<laughs> you might just have to like walk. Wouldn't that make, I mean, I don't know if this, I'm asking did this happen to you? And does this happen to you in any of these other long endurance races? Do you ever just get that like delirium where you're like seeing things or is that a product of like bad nutrition? Cause I'm thinking if I was in that thousand mile race and those dogs came up on me, I would have a freak out cause I'd probably be so <laughs> delirious. Yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of, um, hallucinations for myself um towards the end of the races (laughs) not really just like really basic stuff like i would see um like i think i'd see stuff in the snow um something that really happens to me a lot is i i'll think i'll see like buildings in the forest but it'll just be like a tree or at one point i saw like a, a a tree but i was convinced it was like a boat just like in the woods and you're like riding along and you're like why is there a boat in the woods and you're this is like so so confused right but like there could be i guess like a random boat somewhere or it could be like a plane crash or something but then you get closer and you kind of like uh close your eyes a few times and then you realize it's just a branch um so stuff like that i did that in nepal i went up to a giant rock and thought it was a house yeah (laughs) Yeah, totally. So it didn't dissolve until I was like almost there, knock on the door, and then yeah, gone. yeah. When when I when I did the the forty sixer record here in the Adirondacks, um, I saw a stump and I was convinced it was a German Shepherd, and I like <laughs> walked up to it and I started petting it, and then I realized that it was just a stump of wood, and I was like, why am I petting this like stump? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like in the in the forest. And the funny. worst thing about Scotland is like, I ran over so many cattle guards on the road that eventually all the tree shadows cast over the freaking road became cattle guards and like, right and I you're like turn around these shadows yeah well yeah. now that that's that's under your belt are you planning on doing the thousand miler in the future I would love to I don't know if I'll do it next year but definitely um, definitely some year I think it would be awesome I think also it would be pretty fun to tackle the race in like a different in like the running or skiing um mode of transport but i mean walking if i were walking or running a thousand miles in the snow sounds pretty hard but yeah. it does not sound like fun to me but you guys are <laughs> you guys are a unique breed i mean like you too i start i'm bored <laughs> i do that i mean you run a mile and you run 10 miles you run 100 miles a thousand miles like it's all just progressions just, I guess. yeah your just mechanical engineering brain probably breaks it down in some way like that yeah yeah but running with snow is like running in the sand you just <laughs> don't want to do it <laughs> like, i know okay well uh, let, let's talk about the rest of your season i know um Lindsay is doing some exciting different races, not focusing a hundred percent on OCR. What's your game plan? Yeah. So, um, I'm going to be doing, uh, so I'm going to Switzerland to race the PDG in a few weeks, which is a schema race. It's more of like a, more just like a fun race for myself. I'm not trying to be competitive there or anything doing it. You have to do it with uh, other people. Um, so I'm actually doing it with Ian Hosek and Reyes, uh, boyfriend fiance Roy um yeah and we're just kind of like I don't know just go do it and have a good time it's like a really iconic schema race um so I'm doing that and then I'm doing a bunch of gravel races some trail running races and uh OCR so I'm doing the North American series um yeah I'm doing I'll probably do Leadville um running and biking this summer um which would be fun and I don't know what else but I'll kind of like Take it as it goes. 
I'm going to race Unbound, which is a big 200 mile. It's kind of like the biggest gravel race in the world um, in Kansas. Yep. Do do that in uh, May, I think it is. Um, that's mountain bike races. So, yeah, it'll be a pretty fun, fun year for myself and uh, a lot of different exciting things. It's really fun to kind of using um, like running and cycling uh, training to like try to like make them synergistic and kind of like help each other instead of like taking away. So I'm still kind of like working on like the best ways of doing that for myself. Um, it's a little tricky sometimes, but it's pretty fun. How did the pandemic kind of impact both you and Lindsay as in terms of how you want to plan out this next phase of your life as athletes and as a couple? Yeah, I think it definitely kind of gave a bit of an element of urgency, but also of like importance to our planning. Um, just like, what do you want to do? Like I did a rod was like a big kind of, um, result of that. It was just like, we only have so many years of racing, racing at a high level. So it was kind of like, I want to do the things that I really want to do. And I've kind of accomplished most of the things in OCR that I've wanted to do. So now I want to, which I still love, doing but now I want to branch out into different aspects of you know fitness and of endurance sports and things like that um I think also it kind of for me uh yeah it kind of like we learned a lot in terms of like training and I think like one thing I learned was like um being just like being at home and having like an element of consistency was like really good for my training um kind of like travel and things like that would always seem to like take away, which I didn't really recognize before. So it was kind of cool to see like, Oh, if I'm like, if I'm stuck at home for four months and all I do is train it, like it really pays off, which like, it sounds obvious, but like also like there's this like mindset where you're like, no, I need to race. I need to like have these goals, but I'm like, I'm very like a process oriented person where I just love the the training and kind of like the getting ready for things and um, very like self-motivated. So um, I don't like have that issue. If it was up to me, I would just like <laughs> just train all the time. <laughs> what a nerd. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, well, okay. The other big thing that you've announced recently is your new coaching business. Yep. Yep. Give yeah. us a little insight. Why, why launch that? Why now? And like how all these things you just talked about, how the pandemic taught you stuff about your training. How are you translating that into now working with uh, clients? Yeah. So basically me and the guy who does um, Lindsay and my kind of uh, sports psychology, Graham, we decided to launch a training program. And I basically asked myself kind of like what, if I was, if I was starting out my athletic career, what do I think in hindsight would be the most beneficial thing to me as like an athlete in that time frame? And so that's kind of like what I structured the the coaching model off of. So the it's kind of like really different from most other offerings. And um, it's, so the way it works basically is you have like, I've got three levels of, um, of like training. So people sign up, there's like an online platform and it's kind of like, it's kind of like a community platform. And every week I release these three levels and they're kind of like, uh, like advanced intermediate beginner. And that's just like, and the training is very similar. It's just like one will be like seven sets. One will be like six and one will be four. 
one will one will have so one week will be like the highest week is usually around 14 hour 14 15 hours of training the medium one's like 12 and like the lower one is like you know eight or nine um and that's with like all the strengths and the cross training and stuff like that in there um so then on top of that there's kind of like this platform where people can talk to themselves within the community um i release all these like we call it training toolbox where i like explain why you're doing this workout why you're doing a view max workout like how it's going to benefit you or i'll talk about like um you know findings in research and how i'm like incorporating that into the training plan or things like that so like my goal is that the athletes because like I'm, I'm also realistic i guess and like most people who like find a coach will have a coach for a year two three four maybe um but then they move on so i'm not like expecting even if i had um, and I, we do do some one-on-one coaching, but like, that's not the focus. So I'm not expecting these people to like stay with the program forever, but I want them to learn and, um, be able to either like self coach themselves one day or be able to learn enough that they can make informed decisions, you know, within their athletic path going forward. So that's kind of like the goal of the whole, the whole coaching platform. Um, and it's not like, like I want people to question the program. I want people to say like, why am I running for three hours on Saturday? Like, what is this going to give me? Or like, why am I doing, you know, intervals on Tuesday? And then I'm, I'm going to say like, this is the reason. And then I want them to say like, but I'm actually doing this other event. Maybe I should like do this other interval structure. And then like, that's, so that's my goal is for them to be like, it's kind of like a self destructive <laughs> platform because I like want people to not need it if that makes sense um so yeah that's kind of like and then with the whole um sports psychology side of things um Graham is always posting videos or like self-reflection questions or things like that for people to hopefully um try to like discover um their motivations or their you know uh yeah just everything behind um why they're doing what they're doing and like what it's going to lead them to. So it's like website based and you, once you become a member, then it's like a spider web. You can go and kind of just move around to. Exactly. Or. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you're like the other day, someone was like, I want to buy a new sport watch. What, what do you guys recommend? And like four or five of the members chimed in with like what they used and why they liked it. And so then they were like able to kind of like network. So it's kind of like, um yeah it's kind of like a like you said like a spider web and that's like as useful or like valuable as people kind of make it um so there's who are the like, other members huh well it's the people who like oh people, is it just you and, and yeah. your yeah your guys people me right and now. graham and then all the members of the of the people who are like in the oh, okay yeah all the athletes i was just asking my other pro athletes if you have them on or whatever so. Yeah, you're gonna bring anyone else in? Do a little um, like as coaches? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're like, I mean, it's only started in like mid December, so it's still kind of pretty new and growing and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's I have a idea. question. For, I have a question for both of you. So you mentioned that you are doing a little bit of one-on-one coaching. Um, yeah. How would how would you guys both feel about that idea of like you could be training your next competitor? like someone who's going to come and be the next Ryan Atkins, the next Trevor Psychos. How would you feel like knowing you're giving them the tools to uh, come and surpass you one day? 
toolbox up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I think every resource that I've ever had or like had access to is available in what some way, shape, or form to like everyone else. So that by coaching people, I might be like giving them shortcuts or giving them um, intuition that you know I had to learn over years. But I also think that if someone beats me at a race. It's, it's not like really because I like said, oh, do this one workout and you'll be like the greatest. Like there's so much more to it than that, I guess. So um, I think competition is competition and like I'm fine with that. <laughs> Physical aspects like, you know, half the game, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the hustle. It's the mental side. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of. Like you can tell someone to do something and it doesn't mean that their results are going to be the same as yours or um, things like that. Well, I have so many other questions. I'll try and keep this brief. So a cu- couple more logistical questions. Are we ever going to see you at WTM again? Trevor really wants to know. I hope so. Um, I mean, Florida doesn't sound that inspiring. It's technically Alabama this year. Yeah, it's listen. <laughs> I'm gonna die. <laughs> we gotta do some humidity camp for Trump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to. I think, yeah. I think it would have to be like the right location and the right um, timing in terms of like other goals and events that I have kind of going on. Um, but yeah, it's a definitely one fifteen. What do you think now? See one twenty is possible. Yeah, maybe on that course, probably. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, a flat course like that. He lapped me in four hours. He he was insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to race more. I mean, I'm sure you've raced him before in Spartan, but you raced him just a little while ago in um Obispo. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Mark's so, awesome. I really like him. So how I'm I'm switching gears here back to like personal life stuff. How uh do you and Lindsay enjoy training together? You posted a cute video the other, or she did the other day of doing like planks together, you know, core yeah, like thing. Like, fighting how, each does other. It, how does it work together? Yeah, we actually probably do like maybe 30% of our training together, um, I'd say. And then, like, usually if it lines up and we can run or bike or do strength training together, then great. And we'll do it and we'll find a way to make it work. But it's also like, we also recognize that a lot of our times our paces are different and um, things like that. And we're totally fine with that. But we also like support each other. Like I'll drive to town and drop her off or pick her up or like do point to points or things like that. Um, And her with me too and stuff. So it's always, and that's kind of like a give and take. And the other thing that having a partner who is, athlete um really facilitates is just like that recognition of the like selfishness i guess of training so it's like oh i have to do whatever a six-hour bike ride today i'm basically going to be useless in every capacity other than that so it's like you know you're probably gonna have to make it for me and like, you're probably gonna have to vacuum and like i might be able to feed the dog and take him for a walk but that's about it or like and vice versa and it's like a give and take and some days that's her and i'm doing all the other stuff so it's um that's really nice whereas i think if you had a partner who wasn't um doing the same things as you or having the same like depth of understanding of like what you're putting yourself through then it would just seem a little more one-sided 
You know, it's interesting in the track world that we always see with track couples, there's always someone who's like crushing it and like making world teams or Olympic teams. And then there's always the other partner who's like dealing with an injury or who's having a little bit of a down year. Do you find right. that you guys are at all like that? Or is it different because you both do so many different disciplines? Yeah, I don't think it's, I mean, we have had moments where we, like one of us has been down, um, but normally like we're both pretty good at like, I guess, um, yeah, just helping each other in terms of like injuries or injury prevention or like a lot of times Lindsay will tell me things like you're doing too much, you're going to get burned out and like it's good to have that. (laughs) Yeah, I try to. It's good to have that perspective and like at least hear it um, if you listen or not. So um, I think we help each other in that way and we're pretty good at not um, yeah, falling into that trap, I guess. Well, when Lindsay announced last year that she was not going to be doing so much OCR, which she still is going to be, so, you know, but the big wave that went through the community was, oh my gosh, they're going to try and have a baby. Obviously, she has a very jam-packed schedule, so, you know, I'm acknowledging that, but like, come on, Ryan, what's the plan here? Is there anything in the works? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's always stuff in the works. Um, (laughs) That is the the end goal, I guess, but... uh, also, I think we're, like, we're pretty, like, we recognize how, like, lucky we are to live lifestyles that we do and stuff, and um, a little hesitant to, like, give that up in a way, um, especially for her as the female. Um, so, yeah, whether it's, like, this year or next year or some point, yeah, but nothing in the oven. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no big announcement yet that we're going <laughs> to yeah. spoil. No, no, not yet. Well, my last, do you have any other, I have one more big question. Do you have anything? Yeah. Got notes. You, you ask yours. Well, I kind of want to wrap on this. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Just off topic. Are you going to do any mountaineering? Any goals like that? <sighs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like more interested in doing like, I guess, endurance, like mountaineering link ups, like, um, like, I think, uh, like, yeah, like, biking two mountains and running them and then, like, biking back or things like that. So, probably erring on the side of, like, less technical mountaineering, but, like, still, like, I don't know, still, like, fourth and fifth class, um, more endurance-based or, like, ultra-technical, like, scrambling, kind of running, things like that for speed are kind of more at my forefront right now. I think a lot of the, like, technical, technical stuff, um, I'd probably hold off a few years until I'm like doing less competing and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's always something that I love doing and um, especially like the winter stuff. Uh, I got to do a bunch of ice climbing um, this year and I love it. And so, yeah. Okay. Well, I want to end on this, Ryan, because of who you are, anytime you put an opinion out there, you get so much feedback positive and negative uh people love you or they love to rag on you um after st louis bispo spartan you you put out there that it was it was a runner's course it wasn't like in the maybe it wasn't in the spirit of obstacle course racing maybe spartan needs to like make some changes and then of course everyone came after you and said oh it's because you didn't win or oh all right so you know tell us a little bit about your mindset behind that and then obviously like how you handled the the feedback 
Well, first of all, I think it's really funny because actually the the whole incentive of that post wasn't, I wasn't trying to complain. I was actually trying to, like, the issue that I see is that there's, like, Spartan isn't bringing in fans. Nobody's watching the events. Nobody's, and so therefore there's no sponsors. Because, like, people like Nicole and Ryan Kempson and Aaron are always complaining that, like, Spartan's not paying them. They don't want to pay for them to go to the events. They don't want to, and I'm like, well, that's not the issue. The issue is that nobody's watching, so there's no sponsorship, so there's no money, so there's no incentive to, like, have people at the events. And the whole elite side of things is kind of just rolling along in, like, a slowly decaying capacity. So I was like, how do we write that ship? Is it... And that's why I was asking, like, how do we make the sport more watchable? How do we make it better? Is it through more technical courses? Is it through harder obstacles? Is it through easier obstacles? I mean, like, I've been saying like harder obstacles for like seven years and I've totally come to terms with the fact that like I might never see that within Spartan within my career span and I'm like I'm fine with that like emotionally whatever would I love to see heavy carries and hard obstacles would it suit me yeah sure it would but like that ship has sailed I don't really care that much anymore but I do care about the sport and I want all these people to like keep competing and I want Spartan to do well and I want the elite side of sport to do well and I want it to be walkable and I want there to be a million views on the YouTube videos of the races not 10 or 15,000 because I think that benefits everybody so my whole my whole comment was like this was in my opinion like the the least challenging course I've ever done in like uh, a you know a major series race and I thought it was like boring as heck and not to the whole Spartan kind of like ethos or um, mentality that they've been like pushing from day one. So I guess that was like, and I actually, like, if you read my post, I'm actually questioning, like I, I, I ask, I like, what changes will, will it take to make the sport more watchable? And so, um, yeah, I mean, that was the motivation of the post and that was kind of like the, what I wanted to see. And of course, I, I guess I should have explained it better because everyone was like, yeah, some people yeah. took it as complaining or as, um, you know, a negative uh, perspective. But um, I, know, I agree with you on this. I think we need to combine the competitive side of Spartan with the production value of Tough Mudder and the difficulty of Battle of Frog, put them all three yeah. together, and that would be the perfect race right there. Yeah, like how cool would it be if you had three athletes, one person's like, a 14 minute 5k guy one person's like a hunter and one person's like you know uh, me or a vj and like the the fast runner gets like a 30 second gap and then he you know fails the hoist so he has to do a 30 second penalty while hunter comes and does it really fast and then we get to the obstacle and everybody's together and then i get a 10 second gap and then the runner takes off again and like all these like lead changes based on like physical abilities and strengths and stuff I think would be really exciting to watch um, and designing courses that like make those possible could be cool. Cause everybody has like a horse in the race too. Like you have like the runner community. That's like, I want that guy to go really fast and win. Cause he's a badass runner. And then you have like a CrossFit guys who are like, I want the big beefcake guy to come through and lift everything super fast. And then, um, so yeah, I mean, I like that's what I think, but I also realized that like I'm wrong 99% of the time. So I was like trying to put that question out to the community. Um, yeah. but, you know. 
Well, you're just the kind of personality that if you say anything, people are going to take it as gospel or they're going to take it as like, you know, yeah, big... the wrong thing. Yeah. So you were going to just lose no matter what you said. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. On our yeah, cheers, guys. Not real podcast. Oh. I mean, the the vibe of this uh, is this quote: "All it takes is all you've got," and clearly, you embody that like completely. Um, we are so excited to keep following along with you this season, and hopefully, yeah. see you in some races soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. I'm honored to be number one on the podcast. That's number awesome. One in our <laughs> <laughs> cool. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.